Shalom, this is Shomer Man coming at you with the Parashat GYS. This is the final one for the year. Well, it seems like since Parashat Kitaibo, I've been away on a distant planet called Titan, watching my fellow team members turn into dust. Oh wait, just kidding. Just a little Avenger humor. Uh, no one's turned into dust, so Baruch Hashem, but we are considering ourselves as dust before Hashem because, you know, we're kind of doing sleek coat and all that because this is just such a get you some week. And it's been that way for the past two weeks. And uh, I don't know, it's just like this whole thing of everything just starts early in Judaism. You know, you think sleek coat, Ashkenazi custom, last week of Elul and going into Rosh Hashanah. It's like, no, we'll go ahead and extend that out another week. Well, at least in Ruach, that's what's been going on. And then you just have life just seeming to press in a little harder on you these days and lots more temptations and crazy um, circumstances of just like what in the world. But I definitely want to encourage everyone because, you know, Captain Israel, a.k.a. Rabbi Griffin, said it best that you know we're in a marathon right now and we're getting close to the finish line and what we have to do right now is intensify ourselves in the race like basically run harder run faster you know run stronger and it's just like oh my gosh it's been 40 days with the shuba and it's like yep we're just getting started and so i don't know if you've noticed that but it's really been that way just all around where you just kind of feel like man what is going on like I'm trying, I'm trying to do all this stuff and get everything ready. Rosh Hashanah's coming. Oh my word, what happened? What's going on with time? Why is it speeding up? I feel like I don't have enough time in the day and I got so much to do. And oh my goodness, I didn't know about that. And wow, this is like, how many times have I done Rosh Hashanah? And I didn't remember or recognize or realize I needed to do that. And it's just like, wow, well, Baruch Hashem. This is what it is. And so um, not that we need to feel so down and out and distraught about it, but just know that this is a part of the season because when you change your essence, you know, you can't go through the same things and make the same choices, which means we're making different choices and we're going through different things. And so this is unlike anything ever before, which, you know, again, Captain Israel called it that, you know, there just needs to be a change of our essence. We need to be truly walking in the new creation that we've been made in through Mashiach Yeshua. So um, just want to shout out to all the Lapitniks that um, may you be encouraged, may you be strengthened and definitely Zechariah 4, 6, not by power. Not by might, but by my spirit, says Adonai. I mean, goodness, that verse is just like coming so manifest in our physical reality. So that's enough of my ranting. Let's go ahead and get to some sources after the Bracha for the Torah. And uh, it is Parashat Nitzavim, sometimes Vayelek. Um, we're just going to focus on Nitzavim and we're going to focus on Rosh Hashanah because that is what we are headed into. 
And uh, if we pick up some sleek coat, then uh, Baruch Hashem. Either way, it's all good. Kolb Seder. Looking forward to the day that Mashiach returns. And until then, that means we have to get turned up. So let's do that. Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bakar Banu Mikol Amin, Ve'natan Lanu Et Torato. Baruch Atah Adonai, Noten HaTorah, Amen. Adonai, may you bind us to the Lapid Mashiach Yeshua and grant us eyes to see and crown us with the flame of your Lapid. Amen. So, by his light we shall see light. Let's enter in. Alright, so the first thing I want to start with, shouts out to the Rambat, um, a.k.a. Eshet Pela, the Wonder Woman. She, um, man, like so many weeks ago, it's probably a couple of months ago now, but again, time is going so fast. I'm going to say it was yesterday. So anyway, uh, she hooked me up with like the most legit get you some of podcasts. This guy from Houston, his name is Rabbi Wolby. Man, like he does just like a straight go through almost every section of the parasha and just drop down all sorts of insights. And at the end of it, you're just kind of like, okay, I feel like I know the tour portion now. And even though that's not really true. That's just kind of how it feels. And um, so with what he uh, dropped down this week on Nidzavim and Vayelek, basically he was saying, OK, so remember like back in, I don't know, like the early summertime when we went through Parsha Bechukotai and there were like all these curses and blessings in there. Well, there were 49 curses in there and it's just kind of like, whew. That was intense. But then he was like, well, Kitavo, though, 98 curses. Seriously. And it's just like, OK, so what are we learning here? The curses only get deeper. There are only more of those. Um, the further into disobedience we get. Kaswe Shalom, that we're being disobedient. But we can see that if you thought 49 was a lot, then how about we double that and make that 98? So um, anyway, he goes on to say that these two sections in the Torah portions show us the destructions of the two temples, show us the first temple destruction with the 49 curses, because these were all the cardinal sins. This was murder. This was idolatry. This was immorality. And we know that all three of those things find their union and common denominator and exponential increase in what destroyed the second temple, which corresponds to the 98 curses of Kitavo. So if I didn't say it before, the 49 curses of Bechukotai correspond to the destruction of the first temple for the three cardinal sins. And then the second time we come around to curses, Parsha Kitavo, it corresponds to the second temple destruction, and that temple was destroyed because of Sinat Kinam, which is baseless hatred. You guessed it. Um, now, we don't need to be walking around in baseless hatred, even though, man, that thing is still around like everywhere, everywhere. 
everywhere, everywhere. It's a little um, southern Yerushalayim slang. But um, this is just hating grace. This is hatred for no reason. This is what are all these proselytes doing here? Overnight converts. What is this? You know, you think you're Jewish and you're not really. Who's your mother? Okay, that all falls under Sinat Chinam, and that is what we call low beseder, not orderly or not good, which is low tov. And uh, this is a problem. And as you can see, if you think about immorality, idolatry, murder, bloodshed, all those kinds of things that destroy the first temple. If they exponentially increase and combine into Sinat Chinam and destroys the second temple, we double the curses. Not only doubling the curses, but we lost another temple. And having to say another temple kind of pierces my heart because it's just kind of like, why can't we just have the temple? You know, if you really kind of take a step back and just think about it, why do we have to keep going through buildings? Why to keep why do we have to even see it as a building? How come we can't see it as a true manifestation of a shim, which it is, and the place that the whole world benefits from, Jew and nations alike. You know, because Hashem said, My house will be a house of prayer for all people, you know, insinuating that there are some people who don't even know what it means to be Jewish, some people who don't even know what it means to say a bracha. That's the kind of place that the Beit HaMikdash is open to. Not that they can come in with all sorts of paganism, idolatry, and all sorts of evil spirits and un impurities and stuff. There is that conversion process. There is that purification process. But it's open, you know. And the thing we always say at, at Sar Shalom is there's a sign posted at the gate that says, not at Sar Shalom. Well, we probably should post it. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe we shouldn't. Anyway, uh, it says on the sign coming into the temple precincts that, you know, no uncircumcised shall enter. It's just like, wow, that's horrible. Take that sign down. That's so just discriminatory. It's like, no, well, is it? Because how about the fact that if you walk around circumcised or uncircumcised, if you walk around like that, that's being discriminatory. Because go back to when mankind was created. We were created uncir we were created circumcised. I was about to say we were created uncircumcised, and that would have been like, Ooh. anyway. But you know, that's neither here nor there when you really get down to what the principle is. The sign is great because if one circumcises himself, but you line up with chapter 30 of Devarim, which is returning to Hashem, hearing his voice, having a heart that is bent towards choosing the life, the good and the blessings of the Torah. And, you know, you remove this level of bondage from your own soul when you're circumcised. So just saying that uh, that's kind of a, a big deal. And for anyone to have the opportunity to do that and to enter into the presence of Hashem with exceeding joy, not just in Hashemayim, but also here on earth, that would be incredible. Because, you know, the temple precinct is so, you don't even know what to do with yourself other than just go mikveh and just listen to the Levites. Because this is where Hashemayim and literally Haaretz, come together and unite. 
So space, as far as how much room we have, that's not an issue. There's a bunch of animals being slaughtered as Corbinote. And there are no flies, no bugs. What is that? Then the smell from the Ketorit on the golden altar alone. It overpowers the place. And, and some sources even say that this smell extends even to Jericho, which that's at the entrance of Eretz Israel, like way down south. You know, like Yardin, crazy, coming out of Moab territory, Ammon and all that. And it's just kind of like, wow, you're going to reach from Yerushalayim all the way to there? I mean, that's ridiculous. Then you got the fact that there's the Ark in the Kadosh Kadoshim, the Holy of Holies. And this Ark is so big, but it's not taking up any space. Wait, what? You know, and so you got all of that going on. You got the fact that, you know, there's 24-7 worship. You know, you think about your Spotify Think about your Pandora, think about your Google Music, your YouTube Music, whatever kind of music app you want to have, forget it. Levites on the Kenor, sacrifices in the background, davening, Torah being taught, you know, women in the courtyard on their side of the, uh, the, the, uh, the precinct doing their thing. And then you have, you know, people coming in and out, getting purified and cleansed and examined and all this going on you're just like literally life transforming so anyway just saying that having the temple not a temple another building hospital shalom i mean that's what we're missing out on and so anyway pulling way back to the 49 and the 98 so that is bekukotai and kitavo on the curses and what's so funny is um, not funny because curses are ridiculously horrible. Uh, don't really even know what to do with that. You know, Devouring 28. Yikes. Starts out all great and then just off a cliff. And that's pretty much how our sin starts, by the way. Starts out great. It's just like, oh, I did a little something. I messed up. You know, my bad. And then you're like, oh, well, I kind of did it again. I'm sorry. Like, oh, and then you're just you start turning and then you change and then you start metamorphing into like this weird golem looking thing. And then you start my precious and you're like off in a cave somewhere and stalactite. Like, yeah, this ain't good. But thank Hashem for Teshuvah. But anyway, when you get into that. Uh, section of the Torah, you're just kind of like, wow. So Rabbi Wolby told our Rabbah for elucidating that, you know, looking at the first and the second temple destruction, the second temple destruction was on a greater scale of depravity than the first one by far. So Baruch Hashem. Well, first source to the table is the Midrash Mishlei, which I like to call Shomer Blue. And we're going to start off in chapter 10, verse 12. So this is Proverbs 10, 12. You probably want to know what it says. Here's what it says. Adjustment here. Oh, don't get you some of this. Okay. It says, Sina te orer me danim ve'al ko pesha'im te 
tekase ahava. Hatred arouses strife. Notice it says sina, as in sinat hinom, as in sinai. You can look at that word as well because when they camped in the wilderness of Sin, you know, the children of Israel, which is around uh, Mount Horeb, which is also called Mount Sinai, that place is called the, the encampment of hatred. And it was like, wow, what did they really hate? Because I thought they were all unified as one. See, that's the thing. You can be unified as one when you all hate the same thing. And what did they hate? They hated their idolatry. They hated their bonds that they formerly had in Mitzrayim. The fact that they were so bitter and separate from Hashem. And when they were all able to camp together in that hatred and wanting to throw that off and get rid of it, get rid of the uh, Amalek, you know, get rid of fruitless labor and doubt, which Amalek is the gematria, the same in gematria, numerical value as doubt, which is Safek. And so, uh, but Amalek actually comes from the word that means fruitless labor. So that's why the first thing upon receiving literally salvation, the children of Israel encounter fruitless labor. Because it's just like, man, I got all this freedom. I got all this power. What are we going to do with it? I don't know. Let's go do something leisurely. That's what Amalek represents. And it's just like, don't use your freedom as a pretext for sin. And it's just like, but it's leisure. How can it be sin? It's like, well, not that leisure is sin, but the fact that you are not using your time to the best of your ability, i.e. try to study some Torah, do some acts of kindness, you know, it's that simple, you know, and uh, posted in our beautiful hallway at Shul are those three things, Avodah, Chesed, Tamud Torah, which is Torah. Those three things are called the pillars of the world, and that is from the Pure K vote, and uh, that's been kind of our baseline, you know, what we're kind of walking through together as we are doing a Shemras Halashon, which is the guarding of the tongue and uh, guarding from evil speech, and then we have um, the unofficial, uh, not really campaign, but life change that we're undergoing called Baseless Love, which is Ahavat Kinam, and um, just overdriving on Lashon Kodesh, using our tongue for holy purposes. No better way to use your tongue than for prayer, for Torah study, and for acts of kindness. Tell somebody that they look nice today. Tell somebody, hey, you're all right with me. Now, they may not be all right with you, but that's cool. Because if you keep telling them that they're all right with you, guess what? They will be. So, you know, you got to call things out, uh, not as they are, but as they will be. And that's the thing with Ivrit. Hashem does that all the time. Let's see what this verse is telling us. So if hatred is going to arouse strife and love is going to cover all transgressions. This is showing us right here. If we look at what caused the destruction of our temple, what do we need to do? To rebuild it we have to have some ahava to say the least now the lovely thing about the midrash is there is commentary up first on home plate at bat is medzudot little baseball terminology i don't know why hatred arouses strife when there is a pre-existing animosity 
even trifles become a cause for irritability and quarrels. Now, come on. We got to we got to say quarrels. Do we have to do that? Because you know what I got to do? I got to pull out Yaakov. Because he says in Yaakov 4.1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, that's going to get real personal because what's going on in our hearts? What's going on in our minds? What's going on in our soul? Because if we aren't taking care of that, it's going to come out and cause some problems in our community and our relationships and um you know yaakov that was uncalled for man why you got to do that but if you back up a verse this is what he says in yaakov 318 peacemakers who sow in shalom reap a harvest of righteousness so yes i, I said if you back up which by the way could be shuv which is kind of like a rewind and really, uh, I'm gonna have to pull out G Shackle. Here we go. Let's uh, let's go G Shackle real quick, cause cause he has this opening that he starts off with. That's like, let's see here. He's talking about Teshuva. Okay, so be aware. This is from uh, G Shackle on Parsha Nedavim and Vayelik. A lot of people put this together this this year, even though technically I guess it's not supposed to be together, but. Uh, you know, we're just going to roll with Nitzavim, and we'll definitely get that done. And Bezrat Hashem, Vayelik will be after the new year. Because, you know, we're kind of going to be Rosh Hashanah for a little bit. Right into the Yomim Norim, the days of awe. So, Vayelik might get sucked up into there. So, um, fret not, because you're going to be making so much Teshuva that you will be doing what the essence of Vayelek is, which is Vayelek is, and he went. And so may it be that we go in our teshuva and approach um, Yom Kippur with broken hearts uh, like the shattered tablets of the sapphire. And may we be renewed by the spirit of Hashem on Yom Kippur. So continuing on here, it says, be aware the first meaning of the word teshuva is that a person return to the place Whence he came, as in Utshuvato Ha Ramata. It's so crazy. He uses First Shamuel seven seventeen, which that phrase I just said. Then he would return to Rama, for his home was there. Okay, so returning home. Now this is awesome because you know if you're you've been around Sar Shalom for just a few months. You've learned this on so many occasions that in the womb, the child is taught Torah by an angel. And when we are right before we're born, we're touched right beneath, right beneath our nose and right above our upper lip, that little indention. We're touched there and we forget all the Torah that we've learned. So in a sense, we, are, we have left our home. And then when we're born, the oath that we take before entering into our bodies is to be righteous. And that's the only thing that's not predestined for all mankind is whether or not we will be a Rasha or a Zodic, a wicked person or a righteous person. And so it's up to us. And so if we're wondering, 
it's right under our nose and we just kind of need to put a finger on it look at the Torah think about these things open up our lips that our mouth may declare his praise and when we do that we would be returning home which is the essence of Teshua now he goes on and brings in Rabbi Akali and he says not to be confused with E. coli that ooh Alkali, like alkaline batteries. There we go. That's way better. That's way more juicing. Um, it says, returning to Zion and returning to Hashem, the innovative idea was that there are two sorts of teshuva. There's individual and general. Individual refers to a person repenting according to the established ways of each at his own level. This is how we take care of Yaakov 4.1. Remember? Because of the things that are going on inside of us. There's quarreling and fighting. So individual Teshuvah takes care of that. Then it says. But general Teshuvah refers to all Yisrael returning to Hashem. Now I'm just going to submit to the table. Literally to the table. Where all the books are right now. That if everyone is making individual Teshuvah. Generally. That's powerful teshuva because all of us are making teshuva, and if any of us have half of cognizance to look around and see what other people are doing, it's like, oh, that person's making teshuva. Oh, that person, they really need to make teshuva. Oh, man, they really did make teshuva. Oh my gosh, I need to make teshuva, telling them that they need to make teshuva. Double my teshuva, you know, and it's just like, if you start to really think about how powerful that is. Those two types of teshuva coming together. Then it says, whoever lives outside of the land of Yisrael is like a person who has no God. Now that escalated quickly. The beautiful thing about this is with all this teshuva that we're making, we get to bring down the Kedushah of Eretz Yisrael even in the diaspora. And it won't be long until we really actually are in the land of Israel. So thank you so much, um, Rabbi Alkali, for trying to kick us out. You you had a good fight, but, uh, you know, Brukashim. Because, you know, here's my source on why I just said what I said. Again, I uh, really gleaned a lot from Rabbi Griffin uh, from the Yomim Norim class or the shore that he gave um, this week, actually. And um, he was saying that, you know, the Arch Scroll on the Arch Scroll series on uh, Rosh Hashanah, talking about the sound of the shofar, says that we it stirs us up so much so to where... It transports us literally to the Beit HaMikdash before the Holy of Holies, which is absolutely ridiculous, by the way. You just think about that. Because Hashem says, I brought you to me on eagle's wings. And so you have the sound of the shofar carrying us and transporting us. And we know that the shofar represents the voice of Hashem. And the voice of Hashem is the spirit of Hashem, the word of Hashem. So really what's going on when we're making Teshuba, when we're hearkening to Hashem's word, it's like listening to the sound of the shofar, which brings us into the land because it brings us not only into the land, but into the temple. 
the Beta Mikdash. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that when we look at this statement that says, whoever lives outside of the land of Israel is like a person who has no God. Yeah, that's apart from Teshuvah. That's apart from the shofar. It's apart from the voice. It's apart from the word. So, yep, that's cool. So, making our individual Teshuvah and our general Teshuvah. And before we know it, Mashiach's going to be here. The dead are going to be raised. Death will be swallowed up in victory. And there you go. Wow, I was in Mishlei 10 talking about getting rid of Sinat Kinam, baseless hatred. I shall continue now. Okay, so the next comment, also from Mezudot. Busy person over here. When a person has a petty falling out with someone, he or she will not react or cut off his relationship. But if another minor conflict arises, notice it says minor, the dormant grudge may reassert itself and can provoke him to react totally out of proportion to the present dispute. That is the Vilna Gaon. Now back to Mizuto. But when there is love between two people, even if one seriously wrongs the other, his friend will overlook it and not. I'm going to quote a, a rapper uh, named KB, and he says something to the effect of we have to overlook offense like a peeping Tom. Now, that's a terrible connotation because peeping Tom has just such a horrible meaning to it. But I kind of see the creativity where he was going with that. But the main thing is overlooking the offense. If you think about everything that should push our buttons, everything should get all in our grill like a microwave. Any of that stuff that happens to us, they're really just, oh my goodness, just cooks my grits. You know, anything that happens like that. If you have Ahavat Hinam, you could over that somebody said to overcome evil with good and 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 man so it's a romans thing let me go to that it's at the end of chapter 12 it's uh verse 21 don't be conquered by evil but conquer evil with good uh go back verse 19 never seek revenge my friends instead leave that to god's anger for in the tanakh it is written Adonai says, vengeance is my responsibility. I will repay. Why don't we keep going? On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap fiery coals of shame on his head. Here we go. Verse 17 and verse 18. You know what? Let's go all the way back to 14. Let's just get it all done. All right. Bless those who persecute you. This is verse 14 in chapter 12 of the letter to the Romans. The letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Mm, get you some of that. Key, play that. Mm, get you some. All right. Bless them. Don't curse them. Notice he uses bless them twice. It's like double bless them. Mm, leaning back to the left, playing the organ right now. All right. I mean, I don't know if anybody, if y'all feel that, because, wow. I mean, people, I'm telling you, push your buttons, man. Just like, mm, right now I could just, I could tackle you like a spider monkey and when nobody know it and there'd be a greasy spot left. They're just like, no, don't do it. You got to bless them. Bless them twice if you have to. 
And it's like, well, make sure you have the right definition of blessed because sometimes blessed in a Texas term is like a little different than what the Bible really says. So you need to have a, a Jewish mindset on this, not a Texan Jewish mindset on that. Anyway, I'm just tongue in cheek in my bed. All right, let's get back to the word. Okay, mm, settling. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them, don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, we can do that and weep with those who weep. And um, unfortunately for our community, we just definitely all did that. But, you know, that was absolutely a blessing because, you know, speaking in the loss of our beloved sister, Karen, you know, like the Karen Yeshua definitely was that for us. May her memory be blessed. We definitely got to weep together. And uh, that brought us closer together as a shul. And, you know, it's time for us to, well, we've been doing it, but may we continue doing everything that she taught us. The example, you know, Incredible Talmud said it best, you know, what kind of person was she? So uh, verse 16, be sensitive to each other's needs. Don't think yourselves better than others, but make humble people your friends don't be conceited that right there is just a whole lot of get you some because you yourself is already like this person had this action i'm not pleased with it but what is going on in their world let me put myself in their shoes my feelings my response my reactions aside what's actually going on in their world let me get there let me start thinking like them so that I can understand where they're coming from, even though they didn't even give me any warning. They didn't give me an opportunity, but I'm going to get there. And they did not have to ask me. That's being sensitive to each other's needs, because chances are everyone is going through something really intense right now and probably at any point in life, by the way. So it's just not just this time. It's always something, you know. And it's like, hmm, what's going on over there? Let me get in their shoes. And once you do that, you'd be surprised the world of difference that it really makes with our response, our reaction, you know, and it's just like, wow, I was looking down on this person. I was ready to take this person out, you know, but it's like, whoa, wow. Hashem, let me start praying for them and, and start lifting them up. And again, I'm telling you, this individual general Teshuvah, man, like that is Olam Haba ready. Like we need that. Then it says, make humble people your friends. You know, you are who you hang out with. That's just the bottom line. You know, I always talk about throat chops and collarbone breaking because, you know, all the Avengers that I hang out with, they're all trained assassins. And I mean, that's just what it is. And, you know, they're violent, they're peaceful, they love Hashem, they imitate Mashiach Yeshua, and um, they just love to get them some. And so that's why I'm the way I am. I mean, it's the people, you know, thank Hashem, <laughs> you know, like seriously. Then it says, don't be conceited. Now, if we just lower ourselves, if we just guard our tongue, if we just focus on acts of kindness, if we're just people of prayer, 
you'd be surprised. Just pray a lot about stuff, you know. If something's bothering you, man, just, mm. That's what my whole week has been. Like, getting into Schlecoat, coming out of Kitaibo, getting kneed in the face every day. Now I'm in Nitzavim, and just really, wow, just pressed down, shaking together, cup running over kind of thing. Don't be conceited. Ain't nobody got time for that. First of all, if you have an issue with not being conceited, so you don't want to be conceited, make sure you don't want to be conceited because that that was a double negative again, my bad. So (laughs) make sure that you are not conceited because if you are conceited and if you have a problem getting rid of being conceited, there we go. Think about this. How big are you compared to the building you're in, whether it's your house, your apartment? I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb, okay? The space you're in is probably bigger than you are. That's just a building, though. Now, think about the town that you're in. Then, think about the city, metroplex, area, conglomeration that you're in. Then think about the state that you're in. Think about the country that you're in. Think about the continent that you're on. Think about the world that you're in. Think about the space and the universe that you are. Think about Hashem. Just saying. Righteousness, your righteousness, by the way, is as filthy rags as it says in Yeshayahu. Where does it say that in Yeshayahu? I'm glad you asked. Let me source that out for you. That is Yeshayahu 64.6. I should have known that off the top of my helmet because I did a song about this called Hot Mess. And it says 64.6 of Yeshayahu. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Good night. That's a don't get you some verse. Apart from Hashem, which is what conceited is, because there's not enough space for you and Hashem. Hashem says, I, I can't share the world with a, or a conceited person or a person who thinks more highly of himself than he should. Which, by the way, is why Romans 12.3 is what it is. But just think about this, that all of us have become like one who is unclean. Verse 5, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? What's the difference? Why are we, un- why are we like one who is unclean and why are our acts of righteousness like filthy rags the problem is sin the problem is when you're conceited you're prone to sin because you're not going to think about Hashem if you're conceited you're focused on yourself and at that point it's your righteousness at that point it's your level of kashru it's your level of purity and um, that's not a good place to be so But if you take on his purity, his righteousness, now we're talking. Because that's the thing that sometimes gets disconnected, is that whose righteousness are we walking in? Whose righteousness do we have? 
is it ours or is it a shims because if it's a shims then it definitely uh yeshiyahu 64 6 is not a thing because then we go back to yeshiyahu 64 5 on the first part you come to the help of those who gladly do right who gladly follow godly ways oh i'm gonna do some interlinear here we go uh pagata you meet wow so sussies baronai tagil nashibe elokai that's rejoicing in the garments of salvation that's a shameless plug on mccadam but a more shameless plug on the sar shalom cover get you some okay but anyway so sos rejoicing notice it says et sos which is rejoicing in the olive tav wonder who that is hmm then it says veose zedek bid rakeka who does righteousness in your ways bid rakeka is literally derek literally your derek your way who 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 is that because you have to remember all of these words here is a person zedek there is one who is righteous that's mashiach derek there's one who is the way that's mashiach ose there is the doer there's one who does that that's yeshua there is the sos there is the rejoicing who is the one we rejoice in yeshua so yeah that's the thing need to work on that all right so i think ahvat Kinam is a big thing that we just did and not overlooking offenses. Don't be conceited. Verse 17 in the letter to the Romans, chapter 12, it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but try to do what everyone regards as good. If possible, to the extent, if possible, and to the extent that it depends on you, live in shalom with all people. Then we got to never seek any revenge. Uh, instead, leave that to God's anger, you know, so on and so forth, like what I read earlier. That's the thing, man. Repaying no one evil for evil. When stuff happens to you, just overlook it. You know, um, Rabbi Alana Nava, who we like to call Rabbi Blackbeard in loving terms. But um, he shared this story about a friend of his, Rosh Hashanah, who was trying to help someone. And the person that they were trying to help ended up, you know, not really using the help. And matter of fact, turned on the person and now is wanting to take the person to court. And it's just like, oh, boy, we don't take each other to courts, especially non-Gentile courts. We go to the Beit Din. That's how we do it. It's in Corinthians. It's in Torah. Like, okay, so Rabbi Blackbeard didn't say all that part, but that's what a man said. But anyway, and so you got this going on, and Rabbi Alana Nava goes, Listen, it's Rosh Hashanah. It's coming up. Hashem is using this. He's trying to teach you. You know, you have all this fear about going before a human judge, but you don't have the same fear going before Hashem like the judge and then this person the way they're treating you it's not about what the person is doing it's about what's happening 
you know, the per and it's just like, wait, wait, wait. Do you hear yourself? And it's just like, of course he hears himself. But in the Lapid mindset, we're thinking we're not battling against flesh and blood. It's principalities, you know, it's authorities and things like that. And then we're thinking about the fact of we don't take our brother to court. We go to the Beit Deen. You know, we don't go to Gentile courts. You know, Parashat Mishpah team really breaks that down. But anyway, if you think about the message in that little story that he shared when we're repaying good for evil, we're really grabbing a hold at what Hashem is really teaching us. And that's what we want to do. That's what it literally means for today to hear his voice. Because when these things happen to us, Hashem speaks with his actions. You know, that's why we say actions speak louder than words. Well, Hashem is very, very loud. You know, even the words of his Torah are action words. You know, you think about the letters on the sapphire tablets. They were moving. I mean, I don't really know what else to say other than that. That's just absolutely ridiculous. That's a that's a tough challenge, but it's fitting for this week of Slikot going into Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur because there's a lot of overlooking offenses that we have to do and more so than we have been. <clears throat> but again, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. So I want to take a moment right now and say Adonai Shabbat Shemayim, our Father, who is in HaShemayim. May you fill us with your Ruach HaKodesh. May you cause us to embrace your words, embrace your Torah, your Yeshua. May you overflow us in your Ruach HaKodesh, Adonai, and empower us to continue to excel to elevate, to escalate exponentially as we head into Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Adonai, with your help, may you walk us through it because today we choose to hear your voice. We choose to walk in your Derek. And the merit of Mashiach Yeshua, may it be so. All right. So I'm going to index it right here. And we're going to call this the uh, Parsha Densavim Vayelik. Um, yeah, overlook offenses is basically what we're going to go with. And, uh, oh, you know what? Ahavat Kinam, there it is. Ahavat Kinam, get you some. What do we know? What do we know? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher natan lanu Torah temet, Vechaye olam natabetocheinu, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten HaTorah. Amen. Adonai, may you cause us to merit to see the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days. Amen.